as like a care provider or someone that works in the sector and knows what is out there and what is kind of going on to me to keep people in hospital you know the risk of infection being in hospital with patients with things like covid and you know to keep someone in there that doesn't need to be there it doesn't make any logical sense to me hi welcome to the chasing care podcast on today's episode i'm delighted to say that we have alex palmer from noble living care she's got a, a bit of a, a history in the care sector so she knows about everything living care domiciliary care but we're not talking about that specifically today what we're excited to talk about is the nhs and bed blocking big news story but before we jump in with that alex tell the audience who are you so as you said my name's alex i've worked in care since i was 17 so that is 14 years now coming up 15 believe it or not wow. um so quite some look old enough <laughs> people say that but i actually am i promise um i have worked in all different kinds of sec it, kinds of like places in the sector so i've done care homes domiciliary care i've worked as a pa for people that run their own businesses and now most recently live in so a big kind of background of knowledge on care and, and different sectors so it gives me a bit of a place to have an opinion I think on everything that's going on. Well, I've got an opinion and I have no right to have an opinion so some people say but well, they did say you should do a podcast and just get those people that do know about things to talk about. Yeah, it. Definitely. So you start you started 14 odd years ago let's talk about you for a second you started 14 odd years ago in the sector has it changed? Oh massively massively it changes every day i think so when i first started i started as an activities coordinator in a care home wanting to bring a bit of joy to everybody's day because I'm, I'm i'm a bit like that a bit out there a bit quirky um and the rules then and the guidance now are the complete opposite so you know even down to techniques were different then so every every other day there's something different something new and it's always interesting and exciting to see what's going to come but massively different yeah when you talk about different different in a good way or different because there's more auditing by cqc what what, what do you mean so by different is and there's a lot more which i'm re which i really like personally is a lot more kind of guidance so before it was just look after these people this is kind of how you do it and you were left to it and we never really had inspections. I never really met or saw anybody come in and check that we were doing a good job. Um, but now, you know, every, every so often we get CQC come in and then we get kind of the local authorities kind of making sure that we're doing everything properly and to, to win any kind of contracts, we have to show that we're keeping up with all of the legislation and guidance. So it's so much more in depth now, which I believe personally keeps people so much safer Whereas before it was very unmonitored and unregulated, um, now you're kind of kept quite a close eye on and it means that everyone is doing what they should be doing. And if they're not, it's caught quickly and dealt with, which I which I am a big fan of. Yeah, it's one of my bugbears. I, in fact, I almost recorded a solo podcast yesterday because I was it got my goat. I'm sorry to say these um, introduction agencies in the care sector that are introducing care workers and they're not regulated and that really frustrates me i know they have no responsibility for the care worker for the support worker the living care or whatever 
but they must have some form of responsibility and why aren't they regulated by the CQC anyway that's a, for another day but that really gets my goat when we are so careful yeah. in the regulated side it's almost of the, the wild to make sure isn't it like you know well, we have this just to kind of back us up but actually the stories that some of us could say on those agencies and, and those processes are, are quite terrifying really so I, I'm I'm there with you but it's but it's like going to a doctor one is getting regulated by the medical council and the other one isn't. Yeah. Why? 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 It makes most sense. Anyway, let's change the subject. Uh, tell us, before we move on to talk about the NHS and bedrock in particular, just give us a quick thumbnail as to uh, Noble Living Care. So we are a living care company. We only do live-in, so we don't have any domiciliary branches. We work nationwide, so we have five locality managers all over the country um, and we provide a you know I'm really proud of the service that we provide it's really person-centered and it just it's tailor-built to our clients and it's taken us a while to kind of um, build a bit of a reputation and get ourselves out there which we are still continuously trying as everyone is to try and you know get out there but you know we provide a really good living care service to many people all over the country and I'm just really proud of it. I, it's one of the most the jobs that I've been most like. You guys really should try this because not a lot of people know about it, and I find it crazy because of the benefits that it can bring. So, yeah, it's, it's a small but very mighty little company that is growing, and you know, it's just great. I'm a big fan, as you can probably a, tell. Yep, and a neat little lead into what we're talking about today. But let's go back to I've got my phone out today. I did a I was trying to research bed blocking the NHSs. It was a big news story. We don't hear it quite so much these days, but it still is a massive problem. Uh, this article, which is written by the, the King's Fund, which is a very, very reputable organisation that looks at the care sector. It said um, a little while ago that in the past six months, there's been a rapid increase in the number of people experiencing, I'm reading this, experiencing delayed discharge from hospitals in England with the number of patients remaining in hospital overnight who no longer meet the criteria to remain, that means to say they shouldn't be there, was at 13,771. That's up. That's up 9.4%. Yeah, it's crazy. As like a care provider or someone that works in the sector and knows what is out there and what is kind of going on, to me, to keep people in hospital, you know, the risk of infection being in hospital with patients with things like COVID and, you know, to keep someone in there that doesn't need to be there, it doesn't make any logical sense to me. Um, and I know that sourcing care can be difficult, but I find that it's so, it's very old fashioned and I don't mean that derogatory in any way, but we look at care homes or we look at calls if it's appropriate and that is it. And if those options aren't available or no one in the area can do that and the client doesn't want to go into a care home, they're not given the options that are available to them. And it's not that people don't want to give it. I guess they just aren't aware of the different things that are around them. And living is one of those that, you know, we have care staff ready and waiting for work ready to kind of match with clients and, you know, to have 
to to be there to support them and get them home and get those beds free so that people that need them can have them but people just don't 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 know that it's there or aren't kind of know it's there but because it's new and because it's different and because it's something that that, that hasn't been done that often are worried or just not willing to kind of reach out and break the cycle and it, it gets really difficult when we're here kind of saying we're here we can help a living care provider oh oh let me just stop you there you're saying you're ready to help you've got care workers no there's 162,000 vacancies in the industry so nobody's got care workers surely you can't help anybody we do we actually do living carers are a different type of carer so these people come in and live in your home with you and support you just you so it's one-to-one and people like that you know we got we have a lot of workers that like that one place of work and domiciliary isn't quite for them because they don't drive or their families have all grown up now and they want someone to take care of but don't want to be kind of working 12 hours but only getting paid for eight because you're trying to get to everybody and it they're they're a great a great special breed of people but we have many that are ready and kind of saying to me when when can i start and i'm kind of trying to battle the we want to support with bed blocking and we want discharge teams to recognize living is something that is 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 an option we have these carers available that could start tomorrow it's that simple it's that quick we can get out we can assess we can get people home but it is just getting or making people aware that this is an option and you know domiciliary i know is struggling for carers i i've been to seminars and, and met with lots of people and discussed the problems of staffing with domiciliary and i know that we're investing loads of money in overseas workers but living is an option whether it be long term because someone wants someone to live in with them or whether it be to get someone home and get them settled so that a domiciliary package can start there are options but people just don't know about it and it is it's a it's a difficult one because how do you tackle change people don't like change and this is a bit of a a, an out there thing to try but you know i've i've been doing this job now for years and it works and people really appreciate it so it's just getting the awareness out there i think is the task now okay now for our listeners they're going to be a mix some people are going to be industry professional but let's focus on the, the service user consumer the person that needs to get out possible what what can they do do you think i mean what what do they need to ask for? Is it is it clear cut? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, they can ask for living. They can contact us directly. You know, you can Google these days. You can Google anything for those service users that don't have the ability to. It needs to be made aware. It needs to be told by the social worker or the discharge team. You know, it needs to be you can have a, a care home, domiciliary care, or you can consider living and give everyone the option. So. You know, a lot of our clients have children that contact us and we go above and beyond to try and give them as much information as possible. Obviously, we are a business, but it's because we are we are we're all from the care sector. I mean, everyone within our ops team has been a carer, has experienced the difficulty. So we actually want to help and want people to be aware that there are an option. So, you know, it just needs to be it needs to be given as an option if that makes sense so it need they people need to be told because it may not be for everybody and that's fine but there may be 
that person that really wants to stay at home that doesn't have family to support that that would really really benefit from it that just isn't being offered the option because it's not mainstream and because it's not one of the the known options so it, it's just getting people's aware like raising people's awareness i think well, it's very challenging times isn't it? when somebody's in hospital they want to be released you've got to think about the family pressures um, if they don't know this is a, a real option that's available that's not really their fault is no it? not at all so, i mean i i'm not an operations person how do you if you were wanting to get your loved one out of the hospital and you said to a, a nurse or a doctor yeah but I just, I've, what options have I got? Can I have living care? What's the, what is the procedure from your side for on, on, on a discharge situation? How do you, how do you as a provider potentially get involved with that? And, and is there anything else that the, the family should really be understanding about, let's say, the difference between being put into a residential care home? Because that's the story I hear a lot. My dad got put into a residential care home. It's 90 miles away. Well, who can drive 80, 90 miles to see their dad before they go to work and back? It's just not possible. No. What, what, what sort of things should uh, people be aware of, do you think? I think firstly that it is an option. So let's start at the beginning. They need to be given the option because if they're not, if they're not told living care could be could be viable for them or if they're not even told that it's an option they're not going to consider it so let's get start at the beginning let's make it an option and then they or the discharge team can contact us or any living provider it doesn't have to be noble although we would love it to be it doesn't have to be any living provider will will be supportive we would arrange an assessment so we would come out to the to the hospital and meet with the client and their family and build a picture of what's going on what needs they have then we would assess the property so we would just need to see the property the equipment that they would be using if they needed any and then it would be a case of finding a good fit carer so starting at the beginning it needs to be made aware that that is an option and then we can step in and support with everything else so it is a process assessments are a process and sometimes things change and clients need equipment and things we can we can support with all of that but if you're not told that if you're only given option a or b you're not going to be even looking at option c because you may not be aware that it's there and if you are sometimes the, like a discharge team or a social worker may think oh i've not done that before it may be more difficult than it is but it's really the same as any domiciliary discharge when I was in domiciliary care, if a client wanted to come home and have care, we would arrange an assessment, we would assess the property, we would write a care plan, and then we would find a carer to cover that call. It is the same. It just, the only difference is somebody comes and stays with you at the house. They're not trying to see 10 different people a day and you're not getting three different carers throughout the day. You have that one, they get to know you, they get to know your family, they really get to know your medical needs, your, you know, everything that you need they get to know and then they can support you so it may seem difficult or more complex because it's not something that is is massively made aware of but it's the same process it really it it amazes me that, that there isn't that much more to it could i just ask is this something that 
they would pay for as a as a patient so the assessment no we would come and do the assessment we also do kind of meet and greet so you could meet with me as one of the managers or one of the other locality managers ask any questions you may have you don't start paying until you have the carer the client is home the carer is in place the day they arrive so you get the assessment you can contact we have a business kind of support that is great that can go through any of the business things with you we work with a lot of so we, we work with Sola who help with funding so we give you all of that and it you know we support as much as we can but you pay from when the carer arrives and they start working with your relative or, or the or you yourself so it, you know it, it is the same kind of process as domiciliary care it it's that simple could it be funded by a local authority yeah no we can work with local authorities we you know we, we like to think that we have good community like good contact with them and we build relationships so anything any covers packages that they need covering sorry they would contact us to see if we have capacity for so it can be local authority funded it can be direct payment so the local authority pay the client then they pay us um or the client can pay privately so we're willing to kind of work with anybody in that sense so it does sound as if it's very much like domiciliary care. Yeah, it's just not known. It's not a well-known option. So it isn't offered out as freely as domiciliary care, but the processes are much the same. Hmm. Who's the problem here? It sounds to me as if it's the hospital discharge team and maybe social workers and local authorities that are stuck in the way. Yeah, and you know, episode, again, it's, it's not a derogatory to point to make. I think we just it's need really to be positive and proactive and raise like, the awareness shares, that it is a third option. And, about and it is relative. I mean, it's been living care has been happening for years, but so if you know it's never been as kind of big as it is now with people wanting to remain at home. Maybe you we just need like, to be open and, and try something new because you might be surprised. It might episode. work great. You might actually find it easier. You may find that it works well. Um, but it is just, for me, I think lack of awareness. People are scared of change, which I understand. Um, but just scared of like, also the unknown. So if you haven't done it before, if you haven't set up a package with living care before, you don't know what to expect. You don't kind of know how it goes. So I think we really need to, to get into a place where we, we offer it as a valid option because some people have just had their worlds turned upside down with diagnosis and things that have changed their traje trajectory of life. And we are giving them two options that are even bigger change. So, living although it is still change it gives you that ability to remain in your comfortable space you know keep your daily routine have your family around your maintain everything that you did before so that actually you can have some time to get to grips with what is happening you know we see a lot of people that have a diagnosis of terminal illness that want to stay at home and don't want to have four or five different carers per day and you know, don't want to rely on specific time slots to be able to eat or go to the toilet and just want some form of normality. And although it is having someone new in your home, it's still your home and you're still you and you're still important and your routine is still valid and, and important to you. And I think we really try and support that and 
it needs to be looked at as a positive, not as something scary, but actually let's try something new and see if it works. And then I think people would be surprised at how, how nice it can be and how positive it can be to somebody that needs support that never needed it before. I'm just jumping into this episode, which I hope you're enjoying to ask for a favor. It's really important to us to get likes, shares, following and comments about the Chasing Care podcast in order to build the audience. So if you know anybody that's in the care sector or thinking about care for a family member, maybe you could like, recommend and share. Let's get back to the episode. What sort of size house do you need? I mean, my mind immediately jumps to, oh, I need a big house then for living care. No, so you just need a bedroom for the carer. So obviously they need somewhere to sleep, which is fair. Um, and a joint living space. So two bedroom flat would be sufficient. One bedroom for you, one bedroom for your carer if you're a single person. You know, it doesn't need to be excessive. You don't need to have a mansion. You don't need to have loads and loads of space. They don't need to have their own wing. They just need a bedroom with a bed, a bit of storage for their clothes, a bathroom to use and a kitchen and somewhere to sit. So they would share these spaces with you and they become part of people's lives, which was a big shock to me when I first came into living. So I always thought they would do the job and then be somewhere else. But actually when I go out and they're, people are eating meals together and planning days out together and trips and, you know, going to the zoo or going on holiday. We have clients that are currently out of the country with their carer on holiday because they have that personal relationship. They can do that. They can plan trips. And it is such an incredible thing to, to witness and be part of, to say that we have a client that went on holiday last month and went traveling and, and went swimming in a pool in a sunny country because they had that ability. They had the carer there. They could plan the trip. You know, they've gone with them. They've took the equipment required. And I just think what an incredible experience for that person who had kind of a disability that may otherwise not have been able to do it, but having that living carer has enabled them to go and spend two weeks in a lovely sunny country. And I just think like I'm beaming with pride that we can support with that. So we just want that to be an option. If it isn't going to work for everybody, we understand um, it's fine, but what if it could? And what if that person could still enjoy going to, to Spain or France or Africa, even anywhere, just what if, you know? Yeah, I mean, I've read a, a number of statistics about people who go into residential care homes and the low percentage in real terms of leaving that residential building and actually getting out and about, whereas it sounds to me as if living care is perfect for somebody that's maybe a little bit more active or, or really wants to get out and about. And it, I'm, I'm reminded of a conversation I had in the Chasing Care podcast last week with Jan Alfonso of Network Living Care, and she actually used a fascinating word. She called it a privilege to be a living carer and to be able to support people in their own homes. So it's not just compassionate. It, it was a privilege. Yeah, and you do see it. I mean, I've worked with many carers in my years and live in, and 
they're incredible and I, I rate carers all over the country in any profession it is a difficult job to do I've done it I've been there I've struggled it's been hard I've had great days I've had days where I've left crying because it's been so difficult but living carers ha being able to be such a big part of someone's life and being involved in in family events and things you know they are really proud of their job and their work and they you know every week we send out a report to say like any good stories of this week anything good happened and every week I get back went to a birthday party or went to the local garden center or just played snooker with the client because we had some free time we we're not rushing in and out to to get your lunch you know they're there so they can just go that extra mile where I know that every carer loves to go and, and support and we're in that industry where we care and we want to help but it comes down to time you know you have 30 minutes to do a call for example in domiciliary you're not going to be playing a game of snooker getting their lunch giving their medication checking they're comfortable in 30 minutes and in a care home you've got one carer to eight clients which was the ratio back when i did it i don't know what it is now eight people to me doesn't give me that extra time to play snooker or to take them down to the pub for a beer because they always would have done that on a Friday you know these are the options with living like my partner every Friday night goes to the pub for a beer every, every Friday since he turned 18 so the thought of him not being able to do that because somebody doesn't have time to take him when he's older makes me quite sad because it's him and it's part of his identity and it's really silly because it's the pub but it's social and it gives him that little bit of end of the week happiness and I think living can really do that so the more awareness I can raise and the more kind of people I can say look just give it a try just just talk to us we'll give you all the information the better and I'm always out here singing it because I just think it's amazing and I, I see the benefits I really do see the benefits of it. And I can feel the passion coming through from what you're saying today. And as a human being, yes, I am a human being, <laughs> just in case anybody out there is unsure. I am a human being. And I cannot imagine going into a residential care home. And I know this is probably inappropriate to say, but I don't want to be sitting around with lots of old people. I'm old now. I don't want to sit around with old people. So living care to me sounds amazing. Yeah. And I've heard some that some great stories about people that are almost sedentary in their own home going in the wrong direction. They liked their own company, but they were doing nothing. Yeah. Yet living carers come in and change their lives. Yeah, it really does. And I mean, when you look at it, when we break it down, 50 hours of care per week is seven hours of care per day. So 50 hours of care per week is, it costs the same to have a living carer as it does been in a care home or domiciliary but when you look at what you get from a living carer so obviously the things I've spoke about and I'm super passionate so I like to get people excited about it because I am and you look at the possibility of going out every day with someone you're comfortable with with someone knowing your routine enough to plan forward someone to come to your appointments with you someone to kind of get involved and make sure you've got your family's birthday presents you know they know you that well they can they can take you out and make sure that your daughter has a birthday card for next week you know as opposed to having eight to one care or having four different carers throughout the day and it's not a gripe at, at care homes or domiciliary i massively respect everybody in this sector but 
just the difference it can make with roughly the same price if you need care I'm surprised that it's not more of an option and not not a lot of people know about it and like I said it won't be for everybody but for those that it would be suitable for there's no harm in trying you know there's no harm in putting yourself out there and trying something new because I've like I've seen it people just kind of go into themselves they don't have the right support or they feel uncomfortable or they may feel like too worried to ask for help because they know you're busy um with living we don't get any of that we get you know I've got a a bell that I ring and the carer comes along and then we go out for lunch like you know they they are (laughs) with you they're there for you and you don't have to feel bad for asking them to complete tasks because you know they're looking after other people or they're busy or they're running late they're there all day so do it in your time let's make it about you what would you like to do when would you like your breakfast if you don't fancy breakfast let's go out for brunch you know it just gives you that option of of freedom I think and we lack that when we get older we lack the ability to kind of get up and get in the car and drive down to Devon because we fancy going to the beach because everything takes a bit longer or we may not be able to drive anymore or we may we may need to consider other things medication um but it just gives you that someone else that worries about it so that you can just focus on on you and I think that's important Paint the picture for me in terms of who might be using living carers I think there's a perception it's just elderly people that can't quite look after themselves is, is that real no so or, we have is it, is it... we have a look like we vary so we are a company that can look after anything 18 plus so if you're younger and you want to get out and about and go to the pub and go on holiday we have a carer suitable for you we can match we have males and females that have different hobbies and interests so you can be 18 years old and need physical care because you have a physical disability but we can match a carer to you that wants to travel the same as you do and wants to get out and do things so it is anything 18 and above we support and the the care plans and the care kind of packages that we offer are just person-centered so everyone is different and individual because all of us are different and individual but just to clarify from your side because you're a regulated business you have to comply with lots of stuff with the care quality commission yeah so what's the difference what's the difference between you as a business and uh, personal assistance because with the, the introduction agencies are talking about when they say oh, we're an introduction agency, we can introduce you to a care worker that can be a living carer for you. Yeah. Just explain broadly what the difference is so people understand. So with um, a CQC regulated company, we have obviously a lot of guidance to follow. We need to make sure that our carers are all DBS checked, which we take care of. So you know that your carer from us is checked with, um, to make sure that they're safe to work with vulnerable adults. We also have, we do spot checks and supervisions on our carers so that they're monitored. They know that we're watching. We do all the training. So we provide all full intensive training. If we have anyone that needs a little bit more training or if an illness that they haven't worked with before pops up, we can offer extra training. We also offer MVQs and QCF so that people can kind of expand their knowledge and train themselves up. 
you get a manager so you get stuck with someone like me who comes out every couple of months and makes sure the care plan's up to date so you get a personalized written care plan that is kept up to date and reviewed every couple of months um so we come out and we check everything we make sure the medications are all in order make sure the mar charts are all there so we have you know we monitor medications so that there are no missed medications or anything like that you know it's so much safer because not only do you have the carer that is is monitored and supervised and spot checked and 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 kind of made sure they're safe to work in that industry you also have the manager in the background supporting them if there if there is anything that happens so if you have a worry they also have us as a team to support them and then we also kind of step in make sure everything is kept in line with legislation and guidance so you don't just get a carer you get someone who is safe who is checked who has everything they need plus support plus we have sounds like it's like a fully managed yes. service so it is yeah. yeah and they also have out of hours contacts as well so it's not just a Monday okay. to Friday we're available. We're always free if anything happens and we can jump in and support. So you may pay slightly more for a managed service, but the benefits of a managed service are so much safer than someone who is just doing the job and has nobody there in the background. If they go sick or if they are unable to do the job, we would provide another carer. We would step in and make sure there was continuity. Whereas with these introduction agencies, you're not guaranteed that. You're not guaranteed that someone's going to come if the if the carer falls sick or has to leave because of a family emergency. So fully managed and regulated and kept safe is what we like to we do. So it sounds to me as if somebody's going through a, an introduction agency, they're going to have to look after mum or dad even more than maybe they're capable of doing in terms of knowledge yeah it is a worry because i th i think of my little mum and dad and i think would i want somebody who can do the job i'm not saying that these people can't do the job but would i want to worry about what if they fall sick so if the carer rings me tomorrow and says i'm sick i need to go home what am i going to do because it's all on me and you know we as yeah. a managed service take that off you and say don't worry this has happened but we've already got a replacement this is who the replacement is they'll be there at this time the carer is going to wait until they arrive so it takes so much pressure off as a family when you have a managed service as to when you go with an agency that a couple of hundred pound cheaper but you then have that much more worry and sometimes it's just not worth the stress because it can be great for the weeks it is going fine but again if if mum doesn't like that carer or if you're concerned that something's happening if you are worried that there is any form of abuse or anything untowards going on you don't have that support system in the background to investigate it to raise the safeguarding to report it to remove the carer you know you don't have that it is literally then down to you and if you don't have knowledge of the industry it's like not speaking german but having to read a german book you, you're going to be like a fish out of water you just you're not going to know where to turn and it's not always easy to navigate so i always recommend managed services i just think they're so much safer so what does an introduction agency do after an after they found somebody doesn't sound to me as if they do an awful lot not really i mean they find you a carer 
and they arrange the carer to get there and then you may be able to call them if you have to plan for another carer um but they don't they're not regulated so they don't have to stick to the same kind of rules as we do so we don't have to, they don't have to make sure their staff are compliant with training and as we discussed mm. at the beginning things in care always change so training needs to be kept up to date because something may have changed to, to keep the client safer. So they don't have to be compliant with training. They don't have to be checked upon. And it just leaves so much gray area, which I don't like. I like things to be safe and we know that they're going well. So if I was a family thinking about care for my loved one and I decided, oh, I need to take mum to the doctors and I went to one doctor that was being looked after and managed, checked up on by the medical council, or go to another doctor that had no requirement to be responsible for their actions or audited by anybody, which choice would I make? Well, I'd go to the doctor that's being checked up on, wouldn't I? Yeah, I do find sense to a me. lot of our, you know, we have some people that, that use them before and I've spoken to a lot of people about them, is that sometimes they're not always aware of the difference because like we said, the awareness of living isn't, isn't great. They may come to an introduction agency and think, well, it's the cheaper option because it would be slightly cheaper because you're not paying for the, the management side. Um, and this is what they can offer me a living carer, the same as Noble can. But what they don't realise is that once you have that carer, there's not really any, they don't have to follow the regulations. So they don't have to make sure they're trained fully, which is a, a alarming in a, in a world where everything is health and safety and everyone needs to be kept safe and safeguarding is huge to think that these companies yeah. can offer a carer that, aren't adhering to those rules so you may find that they are slightly cheaper or they offer a slightly better deal but in the long run is it worth it? it you have to weigh up those options don't you and some people will say no i would be in a in a no category but some people will take that risk and maybe not aware that know, it is a risk until it happens my head's spinning, honestly, Alex. You've opened my eyes. It'd be like me going to a financial advisor. One of them is regulated by the Financial Services Authority. The other one just does what they want because they're not regulated. Yeah. Is, my, is my pension going to be safe? There you go. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. It's been amazing. Alex, our time is up. It's It's thought-provoking i think from a number of uh, levels firstly do the nhs discharge teams and the social services understand living care question does the general public have enough knowledge at their fingertips to understand that living care is available and do they know the difference between a provider and an introduction agency hmm food for thought i think we might be talking again alex but in the meantime Thanks for your time today. Uh, if people want to get hold of you to talk about living care, if they've got any questions, how do they find you? So I'm on LinkedIn. If anyone has any questions, it's more professional. Or I am available. You can just call Noble. You can ask. We're available to help. We're all really knowledgeable and really friendly. So if you have any questions on living care, just give Noble Living Care a ring and we'll be available to answer any questions. Once again, 
Thanks for your Thanks time today. For having me. And we'll speak soon. All right. Take care. Yes. Bye bye now. Bye.